Well, hello, and welcome to the Partner Connection. This is Dell Technologies Partner Program podcast, and I'm Cheryl Cook, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Jason Kimry. He's the Vice President and General Manager for U.S. Channel Scale and Partner at Intel. So hi, Jason. Thanks for joining. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So obviously the Dell and Intel partnership is one that's a very long lasting partnership and quite strategic to both of us and both organizations, but specifically how we both engage with our channel and our marketing programs and things we jointly do to just kind of empower our partners around digital transformation. Talk a little bit about what your role is as VP and GM of the channel scale from Intel and how our partners may benefit. Yeah, thanks, Cheryl. And you know, Intel is a unique component of the technology ecosystem. You know, we're not that traditional partner that a lot of our partners have, but I think we're pretty important in helping a variety of partners understand how best to utilize technology to solve and create the best business outcomes for their teams. So my organization today works with a range of distributors, solution providers, global systems integrators, software, cloud partners, because at Intel, we see the channel evolving every single day. And our goal is to make sure that any partner that's recommending and selling technology from edge to cloud has a relationship with Intel and by extension of that Dell. Well, that's awesome. So I know we kind of share a point of view around the tremendous opportunity we see around IoT, edge, cloud, mobility. Talk a little bit about how we try and encourage our partners to take advantage of those. Well, you know, Cheryl, there isn't a single company on the planet right now that's not going through some type of digital innovation, transformation, reinvigoration. Every company on the planet is digital and that technology and that digital transformation is happening all the way from the far edge, all the way to the cloud and everything in between. One of the things I think that we collectively are doing between Dell and Intel is really helping map out that journey for our partners and finding ways to reduce the complexity of making it easier to help customers go digital faster and do it as efficiently and cost-effectively as possible. So we just see opportunities, whether it's deploying edge-based sensor technology and analytics and AI at the edge, but also making sure that they have the best cloud-based infrastructure and whether that's on-prem, off-prem, hybrid, those are all questions and discussions that have to be had by our partners to their customers. And we wanna just make sure that Dell and Intel are right there as part of those discussions. Absolutely exciting. And we're seeing some tremendous success jointly. I know the OEM business for one is a place where we've been growing certainly way faster than the market. And you're helping us significantly with some of those areas. So share a little bit about Pat Gelsinger is now back at the helm at Intel and we know him well, and he's certainly been doing some exciting things around just setting the strategy for the company. So just elaborate a little bit since his return and how he's come over and how he's putting the company in a position for success and what the strategic ambitions are. Well, Pat, you know, his official return to Intel date was about a year ago. I think February 15th was the exact date. And wow, it's amazing how much progress and how much energy one person can bring to a company. But 
you know, Pat has been really specific saying we're on a torrid pace at Intel to get back to unquestioned leadership. And that's absolutely what's happening. And I don't think anything shows that more clearly than the State of the Union when President Biden highlighted Pat and Intel's investment most recently in a $20 billion facility in Columbus, Ohio, but also Intel's investment in the U.S. marketplace as being strategic and very critical for this nation. And, and so kind of use that as a moment that really highlights and puts a stamp on how far Intel's come under Pat's leadership. I thought that was amazing. We, yeah. we were all sending notes internally like, wow, how impressive for him to be called out. It was wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I used to lead our federal business and the State of the Union would always come around and a big win might be just having the president refer to technology just as important. To see it come this far and to see Intel, you know, on such a grand stage as part of a, you know, an important part of the fabric of this country was just, it was very, you know, as somebody who's been here for 22 years, so it was truly inspirational and proud moment. But, you know, I think the other thing that Pat has done at Intel, he's gotten us, you know, very clear about what our purpose is and what we have to do as a company, but also the opportunity that sits in front of all of us. And I like to say, and Pat has said this as well, is, you know, the opportunity that exists for Intel is also the same opportunity that exists for our partners and for, you know, for the industry at large. And he talks a lot about four technology superpowers that really underpin or what's creating this digital opportunity for all of us. And those are specifically ubiquitous computing, artificial intelligence, and cloud to edge. And then lastly, connectivity. It's these four superpowers that really create so much opportunity and so much need for partners to be able to help customers navigate and solve problems through these superpowers. So you know, from a ubiquitous computing standpoint, this is the fact that there isn't a device on the planet that doesn't compute anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, there's very few things left that are truly dumb in their capability. And I think that's one of the things that's created so much of the semiconductor shortages that we've seen over the past years is that as everything computes and everything connects, everything requires technology at its base. So we think that that kind of ubiquitous computing is what creates this massive opportunity for all of us. Connectivity also being a key part of that. And with the 5G explosion that's has started to happen, we think this is a massive year for 5G as more and more bandwidth comes online and just more and more connectivity capabilities come online, the smarter these devices are going to come. But one of the things that happens when these devices become smart is they they not only compute, but they analyze data. And we think that third pillar that I talked about, our third superpower, is the, the rise of artificial intelligence. And AI today has historically been thought of as a thing that happens in a big data center and processed by thousands and thousands of CPU. But AI is quickly becoming something that happens at the edge. And in fact, it has to happen at the edge because if it doesn't, there isn't simply enough bandwidth to handle all the data that's being captured to send that back to a cloud, have it be processed and then return back to the edge. It has to happen at the edge and from edge to cloud. So we think AI is, we're just in the early stages of artificial intelligence and the opportunity it creates. And then the last piece is kind of this whole cloud to edge movement. Again, there's too much data out there to compute in one place. You have to look at it from end to end and make sure it's processing based on the needs of the workload. And I think this is an area where even your CTO John has talked a lot about the opportunity here as data is moving closer to the point of decision. We need to make sure that 
data sits and is processed at the right place at the right time to make the best decisions possible. So we think those are four superpowers that create tremendous opportunity for our partners. And Pat's been a huge proponent of driving that. I love the term superpower. That's just a fantastic way of showing what's the impetus or what's underlying one of these big pivotal shifts, right? I think we're at another one of these shifts in the industry that is revealing and unlocking unbelievable opportunity. I was just at my alma mater, University of Florida, over the weekend, and we have a huge initiative at University of Florida around AI computing, automated intelligence, as opposed to artificial intelligence. And it's kind of like AI is not the thing, it enables the thing. So it's just going to be unbelievable, countless opportunities for our partners to be able to really work jointly with that. So when you think about us working together and you're specifically in the channel space, and I know we Dell in some ways are an OEM partner for you, and you mentioned that you've had some time in the federal business. Can you share an example maybe, or just remind our partners ways with which we engage jointly and kind of on behalf of our partners or working jointly with them to help them unlock some of these opportunities we've just been discussing? Yeah, you know, I think it always starts with what problem are we solving for our customer? And I think back to the stuff within the federal days, you know, a lot of what we did is what's the mission? What's the mission problem that the, the government, in many cases, the DOD was trying to solve? So I, you know, quite a bit around looking at tactical data centers and could we actually drop data center capability into the field or into different remote areas to be able to provide compute. We would always call it compute at the far edge. So a lot of great examples of how we looked at power, space, and cooling needs, architected a certain capability using the latest Xeon technologies, the latest connectivity products, and kind of combining that with the power edge brand and, and then wrapping some new capabilities in there to really meet the needs there. So there's lots of examples, and whether it's in the defense space or in the industrial space or even in retail, lots of examples of, I think, of where we try to take kind of industry standard products, but then help adapt those slightly through our partner ecosystem to meet the needs of our customers. You know, we have this long history of collaboration in that space that I've always been a part of with Dell. You know, the other thing that we do a lot of with Dell is around making sure that we're releasing the best client or PC products through the channel for our partners. And nothing, I think, highlighted the importance of the PC more than the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we all saw how a really richly configured PC to do things like, you know, the Zoom calls and the, you know, the full collaboration suites that are required was so important. So Dell has always been such a tremendous partner in bringing those products to market. And one that we've just launched last week was 12th gen for business. So that product, and we've got a, just a ton of great innovation coming out between Dell and Intel in that space. And now what we're doing is creating programs and incentives with our partners to help bring those new products to market and also make sure people understand why it's best for their security posture, best for their manageability needs, best for collaboration. And I think it's, we're at our best when we help customers and partners understand the true business value that our technology can bring. Well, you're sure right about what <laughs> the demand environment has been like, and there's no question that the pandemic accelerated so much of digital transformation, but clearly just 
the need that instead of everybody having a family PC at home, now every member of the family needs their own, right? You got Zoom school going on, people working. So we've certainly been seeing that in our business performance. We just closed our fiscal year and had our Q4 earnings and we just had a record year, record performance in the history of the company in our client business. So I've been saying the world needs more technology, not less. <laughs> and we're going to continue to need all that collaborative joint innovation that both of us are working on. And you know, you talked a little bit about the move to the edge, and we certainly share that point of view on where the opportunity is. And you talked a little bit about the far edge. Can you just expand a little bit about how you see that market opportunity and the way with which you and the channel, but also Intel is looking at it? It's a great segue from the client conversation because it used to be the client was the edge. Right. Um, you know, the PC was, that was as far as the edge went. And, you know, wow. I mean, now that's, I almost view the PC as just another edge device. But, you know, as everything continues to be transformed, through technology, it's so obvious now that more and more compute is happening and has to happen at the edge. And what we see is that customers are really looking for partners who can help them design and implement solutions that operate seamlessly from cloud to edge. And I think that's where we need to work with our partners to help them deploy solutions that work seamlessly between the two. At Intel, it's very clear that we can't just be providing great CPUs that are get deployed at the edge. For all this seamless, connectivity and interoperability to happen, it has to happen through software. So that's been a huge part of where we've made investments on the Intel side is the enhancing programs to enable ISVs to accelerate their support of the edge, and then also releasing new toolkits and software to help them do that. And so for us, there's software toolkits called One API and OpenVINO, which essentially are toolkits to help ISVs and customers to write code once and deploy it everywhere. So today, a lot of other companies that they may do a lot of work in at the edge or in the cloud, we're almost seeing proprietary jails start to pop back up. And what customers really need is that interoperability and, and the ability to really write once and deploy everywhere. Because if you start to look at the edge, it's a, you know, it's a $250 billion opportunity by 2024. And to really be able to capitalize and maximize that, we're going to have to be able to use whatever code we have and then write that to be able to exist everywhere. And so then I think that's where Dell and Intel come together is co-designing products that really help are adapted for the edge. One specifically that I know we're working on is the PowerEdge XR11 and the XR12, which are actual products that are meant to sit at the edge, taking advantage of that x86 code benefit that we have, but providing it in a form factor and a capability that sits out there. So I think, you know, those are opportunities that I think that's the opportunity at the edge. It's what Intel's trying to do. And then I think it's where Dell and Intel are coming together to create products that are purpose-built to meet that need. I'll tell you, that's a fantastic example because that collaboration was born in Dell's OEM business, right? And OEM solutions where we engineered specific products like the XR11 and 12, and now it's really being more mainstreamed, right? We're seeing tremendous opportunities and use cases for those type solutions and systems that are more broadly applicable than maybe what they were originally designed for right inside OEM. So 
telco, for example, is really finding phenomenal use cases around those form factors and the type of solution. So I couldn't agree more with you on open software. You know, this idea of write once, run anywhere, the more software abstracts from the hardware and the more we really have these use cases, I think it's becoming evident that you want to process it at the site, which is local, right? Keep it local. And there's tremendous storage (laughs) requirements around that as well. And you don't want to be sending the data back and forth to some centralized location. So you need to be able to process it, analyze it locally right there at the edge, which is going to, again, open up and unlock tremendous opportunities for so many. I always like the, you know, the example of autonomous driving. Latency is not an option. Right. You're making decisions that have to be made within milliseconds to ensure that an accident doesn't happen. You know, that's the ultimate use case of where compute has to happen at the edge because you don't have the time to send it back to the cloud, make a decision to send it back. It has to be made right then. I think those use cases, I think sometimes were born out of our OEM business that was built for IoT use cases, but now that IoT is now the edge and edge right. is, is everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe I'll switch gears a little bit and just ask you maybe a little more personal. All of us have had to most certainly be resilient and innovative over the last couple of years as we've all learned to conduct work remotely and virtually. And I think all of us, I'm an optimist by nature, can point to examples well, just look at Dell, right? I mean, we haven't left our home and we just had record performance in the company. And I tell people I haven't left my home, but I've never worked harder, right? We're all busy, busy, busy. But how, when you reflect back, has it impacted your leadership style or your leadership challenges? How have you embraced and stayed connected with your team? Since this pandemic started, I've really learned to some extent, that to lead a successful team, you have to encourage a positive mindset and how important the emotional well-being of people really is. I think we always knew it's important, but I think it really heightened. And I learned a lot about the impact and of what the pandemic had on different people. And you know, for me, and maybe it was because I wasn't traveling as much, it provided a little more time, but how important it is to check in on people, see how people are doing. How are things at home? Do they have what they need? Is there anything else that we can do as leaders provide our employees to help them navigate a really complex and busy professional world, but also balance a lot of things that are at home? So I think, you know, for me, I think it was how important to be able to show empathy to the people around us and to really help understand that everyone is battling their own, their own things. And, and as leaders, it's our job to check in on our people and make sure that they've got what they need to be successful. So I think that's probably, if I took one thing away, I would, I'd like to think I've become a more empathetic leader as a result of this. I've become, been given the ability to check in more with teams. And I think also become highly efficient in our, in scheduling. And I think, you know, one thing I hope I don't lose is, you know, what seems to be returning back to in-person meetings is that, that ability to stay connected because our people need to feel connected to their work, to the mission, to the leaders, and to their customers. And I think, you know, my goal is to make sure that even as we get to a place where we're traveling more and maybe not sitting in front of our computers 10 hours a day, to not lose that connection that we have with our people, because 
I found that to be really important and valuable over the past uh, couple of years. I couldn't agree more. I've been describing it that one of the positives that's come out of this is it has revealed a genuine humanitarian side of all of us, right? So don't sweat the small stuff, whether it's empathy and just the formality. We're all wanting to be introduced to each other's kids and pets and everything at home. And to your point, that does bring a more humanitarian side to all this that I think we've needed it. And I don't think we're going to lose it, right? Let's hope we hang on to that part of it, even as we all get back to traveling and doing things in person as we're all desperate to go do. So I think that's going to be a silver lining that we keep. <laughs> and yeah. maintain, hopefully. I hope so. Um, if we don't, you know, I think people will leave. You know, I think that's the other thing that's become clear is that people, if they don't feel like they're getting what they need or what they want or what they feel, you know, then technology worker is in high demand and, and there's lots of options for people. So I think as leaders, we have to, we have to make sure people feel like their work matters and that they're connected. And if they don't, Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's such a reflective period. I think people have reevaluated and reassessed priorities, values, and they're bringing that to work. And to your point, it has to stay aligned or they'll have the confidence to go elsewhere, right? So I I couldn't agree more. So I'll tell you, as we kind of summarize and wrap up here, I always have a little fun with my guests. So if you'll indulge me, what is a fun fact about you, Jason, that might not be on your resume, maybe your colleagues wouldn't know. What's a fun fact about Jason? Well, I like, I think a handful of people made a crazy decision in the middle of the pandemic to uproot my entire family and move. I, for a long time, lived in the Washington, D.C. area, ran our federal sales team for a long time, was very entrenched into that area and then but over COVID and during the pandemic and I have two daughters one was going into sixth grade and one was going into ninth grade decided with my family that maybe now is the time to make a move so over this past summer we made the decision to leave the DC or Annapolis Maryland specifically is where I lived and moved to uh, Fort Myers Florida I put my kids into new schools decided just to just try something different and something that I'm fairly risk averse but did something that you know, it was pretty uncomfortable. And, you know, so now we're off and running, living in uh, Florida and, you know, really enjoying it, but something different, but something that people may not, may not know or realize. I love that because we're in this, you can do anything from anywhere world, right? I mean, we've proven that (laughs) you can work remote and be quite effective and I grew up in Florida, so not Fort Myers. So welcome to the Sunshine State. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention, though, that I did go to the University of Georgia, so that might be my other thing that you people don't Oh, you're one of those. I didn't bring up the fact that our Georgia-Florida rivalry, which... uh, Well, that is is a fun rivalry, and I must congratulate you and your Bulldogs. (laughs) You guys had a fantastic season this year. I actually went to the college championship football game and watched you guys beat Alabama. So that was pretty impressive. So Um, hopefully as a Florida fan, you were at least pulling for Georgia in that game. Yeah. You know, it was kind of a really conflicted feeling for me because I'm like, okay, well, Florida, we didn't quite make it, but I'm an SEC girl. Don't particularly have high affection for Georgia or Alabama, but I was rooting for you guys. I was actually pulling for Georgia in that game. 
<laughs> my girls, my girls have been, uh, it's been funny because they've been, you know, they wear Georgia sweatshirts and kind of wear their Georgia fan. Uh, they kind of, kind of. Well, now they're, now they're going to grow up in Florida. Yeah, we'll it's it's interesting. They, yeah, <laughs> they didn't realize they were going to get such dirty looks wearing their Florida their Georgia <laughs> to school, but uh, that's right. I love Florida too. It's like I love Gainesville. Great, great, well, place, great. It great, is. Well, welcome. Welcome to Florida. Well, Jason, it's been a pleasure. I know our partners are going to really appreciate hearing from you. And thanks for your partnership as always. And thanks for your advocacy and teamwork and helping our partners win and do better. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Cheryl, for having me and hope to see you soon. Yep, absolutely. Take care and be well. Thank you. Well, Jason, thank you again for taking the time and speaking with us. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and rate and give us feedback and reviews and join us in a couple of weeks for our next episode of the Partner Connection. Until then, be safe and stay well.